Welcome back to the All Stars podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I'll be sitting down and speaking to the UK's most influential All Stars. I'll be speaking to sports personalities, entrepreneurs, YouTubers, and much more. As always, this podcast is recorded at Get Your Media Studios in Leeds. Get Your Media is a full-service digital agency providing marketing support to businesses around the world. They also have a team of content creators for professional video production and this wonderful podcast studio. Now, before we get on with this podcast, I want to tell you a little story um, from last week's podcast with uh, Danny Mitchell. Uh, In the episode, he spoke about his time in Thailand where he sustained a brain injury um, from falling off a bike. Basically bounced his head off a pole and he's got what look, what seems to be some sort of brain damage from the uh, from the injury, similar to being punch drunk. Obviously being an MMA fighter, that, that won't help either. Um, but in the podcast, he, he mentioned that he's been looking all over the country for a hyperbaric chamber. Uh, this is to sort of help with, with oxygen flow within the brain. Um, it's used as altitude training, basically, um, with, within athletes and, and the industry. So yesterday I had a meeting with one of the guys down at the Power of Me. Uh, it's a supplement brand uh, based out of Leeds. This is not a paid endorsement, but I went down and spoke to them. Uh, I spoke to a guy called Nick Robinson. He's the project director. He basically took me around the facility, showed me their their supplement range and what they're trying to achieve from their brand, and everything sounded absolutely amazing. And then as we went downstairs, he took me into the gym that they've got in their facility, and it's actually got an, a hyperbaric chamber inside. I couldn't believe what had happened one week on from from the uh, Danny Mitchell podcast and we found him a uh, hyperbaric chamber. So this is just a special mention to the uh, guys at The Power of Me, basically saying, you know, thanks for the meeting and we look forward to working with you in the future. For those that have not heard of The Power of Me, The Power of Me provide sports supplements and high protein snacks to athletes of all abilities, including CrossFit athletes, professional boxers, Super League players. Their range includes the lowest calorie to the highest protein bar on the market. Really nice guys down there, and I want to put a special mention out to them. Check them out on Instagram. It's uh, at underscore the power of me to have a look at their range. And finally, a special mention to our sponsor, uh, Sandal Auto. Uh, Sandal Auto specialise in prestige sports and performance vehicles. They're based just off Junction 40 of the M1. If you want to see what range of cars that Sandal have got, just visit sandalauto.com. Now time to get on with this week's podcast. This week I'm joined by England and St. Helens Rugby League star Alex Wormsley and former Batley player Paul Halloran. Right, so we're back on the podcast today with uh, St. Helens prop forward Alex Wormsley and former Batley player Paul give it, Halloran. Give it a rest. Batley legend. Batley legend. Rubbish is the term. Self made Batley legend. You're talking to him, baby. <laughs> so thanks for coming on the podcast, Alex. I appreciate it. Um, I was just do it looking through Facebook, and we've, we've obviously it's, it's quite common now is the uh, ten year challenge. So I was flicking through, and I found some old pictures from ten years ago of us lot on the park. That's where it all started. Did he have a chocolate wow. bar in his hand, Alex? <laughs> oh wow! He's there. He's got a pleather jacket on. Oh yes, yeah. quality. <laughs> a flat cap. Flat cap, pumps and, and some tracky bottoms. Great tracky bottoms. Park. We got West Town in back, background. Living the dream. That's where it, it all started. Yeah, giving an inspirational speak. And if you flick across one, achieving. if you flick across another one, that's awful. Get to that, delete that. <laughs> that's good. <one. laughs> yeah, okay, that's that a good one. one. Not seeing oh, there. Yeah, go other way. <laughs> there should be another one where you're all holding up a Celtic jersey. Wow. <laughs> Can you see it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overdone there. 
Your kids, it, I don't know who's worse, you or your kid. Have you seen what's by my belt? His bollocks hanging out. Nice. Yeah, nice. Oh, God. That's not, uh, that's not so, yeah. Yeah, so let's not broadcast that one. Yeah, we yeah. won't put that one on, on Facebook. Yeah, please don't. Oh, look at him, look at him now. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still dressed like a bag of shit. St. Helens star and England star. Can you tell us a bit about your career then, how it started and sort of obviously started at Celtic, but where were we before that? Like when did you start playing rugby? Oh, started at Celtic. Yeah. Um, well, that, well, actually, to be honest, I started at um, Eastborough, junior school. Francis, uh, Francis Cummins come down and done sort of like a, a tasters, um, tasters session there. Um, Franny's partner at the time was, was working at our school. So he, he sort of come down big, obviously big rugby league star at the time, playing yeah. for Leeds Rhinos, um, England as well, Great Britain. So um, Franny come down, sort of introduced our, our school to rugby league. And from there really, just enjoyed it. Me and our Liam sort of took it upon herself, started going up to um, Jewsby Celtic and training there. Yeah. And it's obviously you played at Celtic until you, how old were you when you, when you left Celtic to get to Batley? So started when I was nine or 10 um, as a junior and I played like up until I was 20, I think I signed up when I was 21 for Batley. Um, yeah, so I'd have been there for 11 years. Yeah. Is that quite late on to get signed? Yeah, yeah. I think obviously the, the, the normal route as you would have it would be to sort of go to academy scholarship yeah. and sort of build your way in from then to um, to the professional game. Uh, yeah, for me it was a bit different. I, I, as much as I enjoyed playing rugby, it wasn't my main uh, priority in life at the time. My, my my main was going to you know university, college, studying and getting a degree and that sort of took precedent. What, what did, did you finish uni? What did you study at uni? Yeah, I finished. I, I studied quantity surveying at Leeds Met. Um, got a 2-1 as well, scratched. Or scraped in a, a two one degree there. Nice um, one. Yeah, no, very lucky. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. uh, it's yeah. something to fall back on in it when you get found out. Won't be long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's yeah. Cheers, <laughs> cheers, Paul. Yeah, no, it, I think it's um, it's important nowadays that, especially in 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 professional game and in particular sports like rugby league where you don't get the the sort of the money and things what you do as a professional footballer yeah. that you need to have these. Um, these other avenues in life where you can fall, not just fall back on, but pick up again once once your career finishes. There is a considerable difference between rugby league wages and uh, Premier League wages. Do you think it'll ever catch up? Do you think ever? Do you think yeah. is, is, this is the pinnacle as it's going it's to get? Yeah, no, I think um, it'll never catch up. <laughs> you know, but I think Paul can jump in on that one. It'll, it'll never catch up. I think what rugby league does is is great for what it is. It's it's yeah. very much. Uh, a working a working man sport in in the north of England, um, and I think we've got to be realistic, and that's yeah, yeah. that's where it's, it's always going to be mainly going to be based. Obviously, we'll, as as a organisation, we're trying to expand, and yeah. you know, it's worked in some places, it's failed miserably in others. Um, unfortunately, that's just you know how, how some sports goes. Yeah. Obviously, I think I think Paul, you you'll probably be able to. Yeah, I think I'm biased out, but I think it's a great sport in the world, but it's. M62 corridor base have done what they can. Toronto's good because they're self-funding, but as regards wages, Stratospheric is a Premier League and it's global, it's worldwide, isn't it? So yeah. you're playing catch-up. The biggest problem Rugby League's got is they're playing catch-up with Rugby Union. We've kind of owned the term rugby yeah. and moved on. People talk about rugby now and you don't need to differentiate between Rugby Union and Rugby League, but they've owned the term rugby and you know, they're obviously they're the 
the global yeah. union and rugby league is, is is a great sport and it just needs to be marketed right but that that's a conversation you can have for sit down for four days with somebody and have, have a conversation about that. There's lots of different different opinions, but it has been, in my opinion, badly led at times. And uh, obviously there's changes now and see where it goes. Yeah. So Paul, for those who don't know, obviously you um, you were playing for Batley when you were younger and then yeah. you came to Celtic. Yeah. When did you start coaching at Celtic? Because Paul was our coach when I played at Celtic uh, in 17s and 18s. And we got on really well, didn't we, Josh? Yeah. We uh, just love it, relationship, me and you. <laughs> yeah. I was, come, I was a little dickhead. We've come through it. Um, I think it was 2000, <coughs> and, what was it? 2010, maybe, 2011. I started coaching at Celtic, yeah. I came by default, really, because um, obviously Liam was here today. Liam's dad was coaching. And then Mick had to go into hospital, so I kind of helped out. And um, I think Mick was happy kind of to take a bit of a, a more, sec- not a secondary role, but wanted somebody to help him out. And I'm a bit of a gobshite, so that's how I fill that void a little bit, really. But Cause I know you, I did. Like you made a huge impact towards, I know at the time I were a bit of a dickhead, but oh, you, you made a massive impact towards my life, you know, like looking back. Um, just way that you treat us, you treat us like adults, and you yeah. treat us like one of your kids. You know, obviously Elliot played at the time, but you treat like every single one of us like. Yeah, but I'm a big believer in. It's, I've got philosophies, and, and and I'm a big believer in that. If you're asking somebody to do something, you've got to give, because you can't you can't not give ninety percent. If you're demanding hundred percent, you've got to be consistent and give hundred percent. And sometimes people, are, I'm listen. Everybody's flaky in life. We all fail, but you've got to you've got to put the effort in, and you get out what you put in. Yeah. Going back to Alex saying, I'm not blowing smoke under Alex. We, we, if you remember, we used to train three times a week and the Wednesday was a boxing gym yeah. on Monday or Wednesday, I think it was a Wednesday. And that were, they were tough sessions, but Alex didn't play on our side. He played for Paul's side, another good side, but he turned up on those sessions on a Wednesday because he wanted to make himself a better player. So it's, it's a cliche, but you get out what you put in. Do yeah, it. No, that, that. I tried to get, I tried to put in, I give everything. If I can't give 100%, I don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, it's simple as that. That, that really, I know that really stood out in my mind. Um, I remember back when we were uh, training at Spember Baths, you know, doing, Doing running, yeah. That when I got my scooter nicked, oh happy days. But yeah, that apart from that, what stood out in my mind was seeing Alex there, yeah, and obviously just grafting. So at the time, like, um, and they were tough sessions, them. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they, they were. Those sessions came from um, when I was at Batley. David Ward used to take us down there, and those sessions had come from Leeds Rhinos at the time. So he brought those sessions planned out by somebody at Leeds Rhinos brought them to Batley, gave them to us. And all I did was just replicate them. Yeah. So those six to hundreds, four, four hundred, which were brutal. Yeah, yeah. But Sean Jackson was throwing his chicken dinner up, wasn't he? But nobody <laughs> died, did they? And nobody was, died. People were crawling off there. But at the end of the day, that season, I mean, we, we still talk about it, but how many games did we win in the last 10 minutes? And it's not by accident. No, definitely not. Because fitness, though, is, it's old-fashioned to be fit these days because people like technical coaches and yeah. they like systems and they like players and... Listen, I'm not the most technical coach. I'm not going to put my hand up and say I am, but I'll get people fit yeah. and I'll hopefully get people to play for me. And I think that's what we did. We were a good tight unit. Yeah. Do you know what? Just jumping on that, I think if if you're going to be honest and you look at especially your, your amateur game and your amateur you know, kids playing the amateur sport, it, it's not so much about teaching kids skills and technical ability. It is about that sort of buying in, winning all in, um, all being on the same hymn sheet, yeah. that, kind of, that kind of mentality. It is... You know, and it's life lessons you got taught. Um, you know, because it's ninety nine percent of people who play professional sport, or sorry, play sport, won't go into the professional game. Yeah. But they take those sort of lessons in into how you, you know, 
you live your life then um, to, to be mates to be good around people to do the right thing to be committed and I think those are the most valuable lessons you can be taught and I think Paul was, was great on that is as much as he, he taught you all to be better rugby, rugby players I think he taught you all to be better people as well which yeah. is um, better than anything else 100% I mean you must have been a, you must have been a lot more mature than some of us at the time to be able to not to be able to adopt <laughs> that mentality at the time because I know when, like, when I look back thinking about it he never really sank in until now, you know, we're 10 years on. I used to say to you all the time, didn't I, you'll, you'll, you'll miss it when it's gone. Yeah. And it'll be gone because you kind of a bit more wool on me back. Obviously, I'm, I'm a grown man, but it happened to me and you, life passes you by and you think, yeah, it's great. This. And then before you know it, it's gone. But just going back to what we're saying is about life skills. For me, it was all about punctuality. You know, you've got to be there on time. And, and I remember Tom Kilroy played all year. Funny tale that Tom Kilroy, oh, Basically, at the time, I'd lived at our house forever, you know, he was Alex's best mate, and he was always there, and the, the deal was, you get to training on time, if you're a minute late, you need to let me know, because yeah. if you're not letting me know, you won't be playing. <coughs> so it seems harsh, but it, it worked for everybody, but we had a run-through one Sunday, we were playing Unslit away, I think it was last game of the season, and he was four minutes late, and we were in the park all doing the, the plays, and was running through, and I could see him coming up the park, and he run, and he says, uh, where do I stand? And I says, you're not playing, you're subbing. So he went, oh, come on, Paul. You're like a dad to me. <laughs> Giving it, you know, like, they will pulling on no, my heart. So he's like, Tom, you're late. You haven't messaged me. You haven't told me. Oh, come on, Paul. He says, I live at your house. I says, I know you do, Tom, but you're not playing. And, and that season, Nicky Crabtree, I think, was the only person who, through injuries or whatever, was the only person who played every minute of every game. And Tom was going to be the other one. Yeah. And he still, I think, to this day, Nicky still ribs him about it. But it is what it is. Listen, you've got, it's unfashionable to have parameters and to have guidelines because people always want to break them and say, yeah. and it's not intransigent to say, we start at seven, be there. If you can't yeah. be there, I can understand that. Some lads are working, ring me and things, but if you're just going to turn up at 10 past seven and think it's all right, it, it ain't with me. No. It ain't going to happen because I'm getting there for seven, you know what I mean, and stuff. And, and I think, like I used to say to the lads, if you're working for an employer, let's say you're working in an engineering company and they say you start at eight on a Monday, yeah. And you're 16 years of age, and you think you can rock in at 20 past eight. You won't have a job for long. So yeah. it's it's just teaching discipline, isn't it? And that's an, another word that people don't like, but it is what it is. No, it def I mean it definitely worked for us. Like proofs in the pudding. And, and it uh, worried it. People say it's it's a dictatorship, and that's another thing people don't like. They say, oh well, we're all together. You're all together, but I'm I'm a dictator yeah. because otherwise it don't work. Leader, you've got to have. Well, you just got to have somebody saying this and the other. And Mick were great. Mick, me and Mick yeah. were on the same page. Absolutely brilliant, you know, and what's going back to that about Mick, we had a, a great side there and I won't ramble on too much about it, but that side was because of Mick Edwards, because Mick Edwards kept them together in the really, really, we had some good times, we had some real tough times, you know, when there were 11 men and people like Mick Edwards turning up every week yeah. and coaching them, absolutely brilliant, so it's it, it were down to Mick more than anybody that, because that side wouldn't have existed for, for us to do what we did. Amazing. It, I mean, it was good times and everything that you taught us back then, a lot of us have gone on to do good things, you know, like you can just look at the guys. Well, like, nobody's in jail, have they? Not that I know yeah. of. Yeah. Anyone, so, if anyone comes to get yeah. that? There's none of them lads, they're all working, they're all <laughs> having good lives. There's nobody in jail, they're all good lads. So, yeah. And we still all get on, you yeah. know, which is a good thing, you know, you pick up from where you left off and, you know, that's my proudest thing about it all. But I'm, I'm it's tricky being, I'm 50 years of age and it's saying my mates are, 20-odd, but yeah. my mates, it's yeah, as simple yeah. as that, and I hope I'm your mate, and that's how it, how it works out. 
So apart from trying to wall you up at Stanley, it wasn't bad. Wasn't it? <laughs> 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 yeah, I deserve that. No, you didn't deserve it. Yeah, I like I like being challenged. It's just the right environment. But you were challenging. You're good because you had an opinion, and nothing wrong with having an opinion. Well, you don't have to agree with it, but no. <laughs> so Brian Clough. So we had a discussion. We talked about it and agreed that we're right. <laughs> Did you just call yourself the Brian Clough of rugby? <laughs> no, is that what's going on there? I didn't get a so thousand pound yourself, in envelopes. You just called yourself the, a battle legend. Yeah, and no, Brian he Clough called me that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm far from that. If my mates are watching this, they'll be like cringing. But <laughs> battle legend. Wow, yeah, I'm sure. So Alex, going back to uh, to Batley then. So. Um, how long did you stay at Batley Fox? I know you had was it just one season you did there. Yeah, because yeah. you won player. Did you win player at year? Player at championship? What what the awards yeah. did you won? Um, championship oh, player yeah. at year. Young player at year. Young player of the year. And I got the, I think I got the player of the year at Batley as well. For the um, the club award. Um, that's me. I just getting a little bit bigger. But um, but no, I, I had to have month at Batley. Um, started initially. I just went on loan. Not alone on a trial. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was I was playing at, at Celtic at the time. I was playing for Leeds Met. Um, I didn't want to lose my sort of um, my relationship with, with those clubs. Had it not worked out at Batley, I yeah. wanted to make sure I'm just going to go and you know give it me all, see how it goes. But ultimately, I'm I'm still considering myself a, a Tuesday player because that's where my mates were. Yeah. Um, enjoyed playing there, and that, that was a big part of my life was you know playing rugby and um, playing with my mates. So. Yeah, I went on trial um, and it worked out well. Um, you know, picked up a deal off the back of it. Um, and yeah, 12 months around the line, I uh, signed for St. Helens after, you know, a, a good year at Batley. I think the, um, it, it was a good sort of, I, I, I hate calling it a stepping stone because it's it sounds a bit um, negative towards the club. Yeah. But, it, you know, it really helped me develop as a player. It was just such a quick, like, rise to fame for you, wasn't it? You know, like- yeah. It, it was it, the transition took us all by surprise and me especially I think playing amateur for so long and getting to the age where I got to being an amateur yeah. um, probably considering myself to be an amateur player for the rest of my you know, career so yeah. to speak to then um, you yeah, find myself in, in the semi-professional game having 12 months there and and you know learning what I learned in those 12 months um, to then find myself you know at a club like St. Helens which is a uh, one of the best clubs in the country, um, one of the leading sort of. When you think of rugby league, you think of teams like St. Helens, and to find myself having their sort of interest, you know, in myself and offering me a contract there, it was um, yeah, it, it took us all by surprise, yeah. um, me especially. How did that come about? Thanks, I know Paul. Um, I, I remember when you did get signed, remember stood we at Battle Nash and sort of asking you about it. And you said that Paul, Paul, go with you to the first meeting or to the when you got the contract, like obviously you, you weren't really known what the procedure was. Not yeah. that Paul would either, but obviously no. he's a savvy businisman. Well, that's well, it. I don't know about that. He's a savvy businessman. Walked in with me camera head caught. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say he's a dodgy businessman. And <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously with him being a battle legend. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, it, it was funny, I think. Um, I'd, I'd sort of been playing for, for Batley that year and um, I had a lot of, you know, press as well say I'd just started start playing for, for the team and um, a lot of rumours you know I think you know, according to the newspapers I'd signed for about three or four different clubs that year but um, I'd, I'd not spoken to anyone you know it literally got to September and um, John Keir the, the Batley coach at the time sort of come to me on, on a Thursday night and said you know what, what are you doing tomorrow and with me being a student I wasn't doing anything so <laughs> yeah. um, he said right well we're driving over to St Helens they, they want to speak to you 
Um, so I, I got in touch with Paul, I think. Um, well, what happened was, let's let's level up here. There's a friend of a good joint friend of ours, who we all know, Paul Eaton. Yep. I must give a shout yep. out to his my mate. And Mad had a massive input into into Alex's life and career, you know. But I don't think Paul were going to go where you want him. Paul couldn't go. Yeah, Paul was working. So, um, you know, because the first protocol for Alex always will be and should be is Paul Eaton. Yeah. Because he's a man who's put it all in. And I... I think me and said, look, Paul's struggling, will you come along? And I said, look, I don't know anything about contracts. But I know if somebody's getting ripped off or not, so I'll come along and have a bit of a watching brief. More company, really. And yeah. We went over there and had a chat. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think it's, it's right that we mentioned Paul Ian as well. I think um, as, as as influential as, as Paul and, uh, you know, yeah. I, I say the whole of Jews with Celtic have been to me and, and people like Mick Edwards and mm. um, other people, you know, I could I can name hundreds of names, but Paul Ian, my coach as well, he was... Um, a massive part of where I am today and yeah. someone who I'm grateful for. Uh, he knows that. Um, but yeah, no, but going back to it, I think um, we spoke to, spoke to Paul and I think I think that was the main thing was just having someone there with me who, who I was familiar with away from rugby, someone I could trust of and, you know, if I needed to speak to yeah. someone then I could, you know, rather than, I don't think I'd ever be led down the um, garden path or whatever, but, you know, it's nice to have someone in your, in your corner where you can, you know, who's got my interests at heart rather yeah. than sort of other factors, um, and and, and it, I think the thing was when when Matt sticks dangled in front of you as a young man, and and, and kind of like Alex had written the rule book up in in it's a sad indictment probably, and I'm going to go off and track a bit about Super League, but it's probably a sad indictment that a lad gets to Alex's age, and there's there's this in you know this blind belief that you know he ain't been signed on, he ain't been through academy, so he can't be any good. Yeah. And I see young lads running around at open age rugby who can play at a good level. Clubs need to re-educate themselves. Unfortunately, Batley, in their words, maybe took a punt, which I think is a bit disrespectful, but they may, may, may not have said that. But I think Alex was... was, I think Alex was the real deal at 19 and 20. I used to watch him a lot, and he was smashing people apart. And I'm not blowing smoke again, but I'm just telling facts. And, you know, obviously when he went to St. Helens, that big step is, I either accept their offer, or I don't accept their offer. Well, we've, if we're all being honest, no matter what they probably put in front of you you're probably more inclined to say whatever contract's there, I'll take it. Because yeah. I think if I'm honest, and I am, if I'd have said to Alex, well, I don't think that's enough money, I think you should go for more. I think it'd have taken a brave man to go start negotiating when you're at that level. Yeah. Obviously, since then, his negotiations have obviously changed, you yeah. know, and now he's, he's, a, he's a premium player. So, but at the time, it was, uh, yeah, it was meteoric, but, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, it, to, to be honest, and, and Paul's probably, you know, said that, he's that, uh, they could have put anything in front of me and I'd, I'd have been inclined to sign it. Yeah. It was it was nothing about the money. and uh, you know, if, in, if we're going to look at really, if we, if we were to look at that contract, you know, down to the finer details and the nuts and bolts of it, it was probably the worst contract I could have ever signed. You know right. what I mean? You're not, just not in terms of financial security, yeah. anything like that. But that being said, it, it, it was still the best contract I've signed because it, it gave me an opportunity. Yeah. And that's all I was after at the time. I wasn't after... Financial gains. Yeah. I want after you know this, this big pay. It's because you, you, know, you were signing for a good club with a lot of history. Yeah. A good club who inherently looked after players. Yeah. If you look at St. Helens' history, there the very few players. I can, in fact, I can't think of any any players that have ever come out and bagged St. Helens afterwards. I think they're a well-run organisation, and I think they're holistic. And you, you were signing for a club, and that's what our discussions really that look. They've looked after players, yeah. and, they'll, and 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 I remember Mike Rush at the time, and we're not going into details too much. But Mike Rush saying, "Look, 
this is our our strategy with players. You're on this, you then become on this, and if you do X, Y, Z, you're on this, and it's done X, Y, Z, and you're on that. So he's kept his side of a deal, and yeah. they've kept her side of a deal. Well, that's it. I mean, obviously, you knew you just needed that one chance to, to, to prove yourself, and then the rest would come. So obviously, money wasn't a fact. It was just a case of getting up to the, the Premier League, uh, up to the, the Premier um, Club and just going for it. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I think it just going on to it though, I think we didn't expect it to, to kick on anyway and it, I want an opportunity because if St. Helens come knocking, you, you know, you, you don't turn them away, do you? And no, I no. think being sportsman and, you know, playing in team sports and you'll know yourself, I think the pinnacle has always been able to do that for a career. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having that opportunity, you know, you only get so many opportunities in life and I didn't want to come to a 20, 30 years down the line of thinking, do you know what? Might not have been the best money at the time, but I wish I'd have took it. So that's why irrelevant what what was offered to me was about giving yourself that opportunity, yeah. you know, giving yourself a one in one chance. What so many kids, thousands of kids who, who play sport week in week out would dream of. There's no way I could have turned that opportunity down. So what was it like then? You know, the first day you turn up at Saint Helens for training, like you turn, what what. What were, you, what were you feeling? Like you must have been absolutely shitting yourself, to be honest. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, you you, you bang on. No. Do you know what? It, it was strange because I think twelve months before I was I was playing amateur, and you know, from twelve months I was sort of you know training with my mates and you know having beers and you know going go playing on a Saturday and the, as much as you enjoyed rugby, you enjoyed sort of the um, the social side of things. You know that that was sort of my pinnacle of of rugby league yeah. was, was that side of yeah no it was great playing the game but it was also great having that you know your mates around your turn find yourself in, in a change rooms where you don't know anyone um, where you do know you know you know who they are yeah. but you, you don't know them they don't know you yeah it was quite daunting um, looking across at James Roby and you're changing next to him you're thinking yeah yeah, yeah. it's surreal really he's putting on his uh, 100, you know, 180 quid Nike boots and I'm putting on my 20 quid Lotto boots next to him it was uh no, do you know what it was? It was, yeah, it was surreal. You know, you, you're sort of sitting down, and and it's like going back to being 16, 17 again, and being being a kid. I was, I was 22 years old when, yeah. when I was at St. Helens, and you know, I was, I was a young man, um, or by no means shy, but you sort of as if you've been took back to being a 15, 16 year old and put in a room full of men again, and you, yeah. you don't say boo to a girl. It's, like it's like that hierarchy, you know, it's it's knowing, yeah. knowing your place, and that's it, and you keep you keep your mouth shut, don't you? And then be eventually. Your personality comes through and you fit in yeah and everybody fits in but and, and you fitted in to be fair probably fairly quickly because of your performances yeah that, that if you start doing that on, if you do it on the pitch all of a sudden we think yeah this kid can play a bit yeah you know? so that's that's where respect comes very quickly from doing the hard yards and the tough yards and the tough carries and yeah yeah and you, you never you never feel truly part of a team until until you play in the team yeah, yeah. you can be in the squad you can be a squad member and i was a you know, until you sort of become a regular first team player, that's when you start to feel really part of the team, and you know you, you sort of can come out of your shell and yeah. start being the person who you want to be, rather than you know shy, stick to the edges, and um, yeah, no, and it was. I, I had opportunities in you know very early on in my St. Helens career to um, start playing for the team for yeah. injuries, which you know were lucky for me, unlucky for others, in really, but. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, I got an opportunity early on and I took it. Well, that's it. So you signed in 2013, is that right? Yeah, for the 13th season, yeah. And then, obviously, going through that season in 2014, you managed to win Super League, which, yeah. again, like, 
I, I didn't win it personally. No, win it as a team. team. But like, <laughs> oh, you're so modest. You started, you, 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 without you, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 2012, you're playing for Jewsby Celtic and 2014, you're winning Super League. Like, in a grand final winner's ring. And a grand final winner's ring, yeah. Like, how did that feel? You know, again, it, it's, it's, it's such an inspirational story, especially for younger people coming up that are playing. Or I think, they might, they might, some people might think they've passed their chances, but obviously, you know, opportunities are still there. Like, yeah. I think that, while, while your body's working, your legs are still going, there's always chances, especially in, in sports, you know, it can anything can happen. Um, and yeah, to say, to go from playing at Cronus Park in front of 150 people to uh, playing at Old Trafford two years later in front of 80,000, uh, winning the grand final, it's, it's, it's it, do you know what, I, without cliche in it, it's, it's sort of fairy tale and yeah, um, yeah and unbelievable. That grand, sorry, day. that grand final ring though pales into insignificance winning a mixed grill at Celtic, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> that is the pinnacle yeah. of any man. That is game. that is the pinnacle. Yeah. That is the pinnacle. Just because it's 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 probably ribbed, that's why. <laughs> I mean um, but what, yeah. what were your thoughts seeing seeing Alex win the grand final? I, listen, we I've had discussions with Alex, I've sent him text messages over over time and, and kinda like without being gonna keep using my term blowing smoke. Like a lot of people, I want on my own and, and, and I remember talking to Ian Elliot and years ago, I think one night we were driving back out of a gym and Missy, I don't think he'd even played open age rugby then. And I said, Alex will play for England. And he looked at me and I, and I said, I don't mean amateur. And he said, well, how do you think that? I said, just for commitment, sir, and how he kind of, because probably from 17, you kind of grow in, you, you grow into life, don't you? You know, yeah. you do grow into life and things happen and probably... If, if truth be told, and, and, and it is, is there Liam, fine player Liam, tough individual. Your Liam probably got all the plaudits and you were just like Liam's brother, you know, if, if we're all being I honest. Remember, and I and then all of a sudden Alex yeah. started then. You, you see lads who, who might be running around a rugby field at 14 and I've seen them who people dismiss and say, oh no, and then all of a sudden, there's a lad now, I won't mention his name, but he, he's played recently and he's he made his debut for a, a team last week, a professional team, on, and, and, and I remember seeing him. When he played, it was a similar kind of thing. You do grow into your position. And Alex started just growing into it and was killing it week in, week out. And and, and I remember one game, particularly playing um, uh, in the, over at Leeds. Uh, I think Lee, Lee broke his leg. Um, Kipax. Kipax, yeah. Kipax. And that night, it, it's one of... Uh, I, play, I played in amateur Sunday morning league, so it was like legalised warfare. But that night, I remember it, it was just again legalised warfare and Alex stood up and they all packed it the whole team did but they were smashing him and he kept coming and coming and coming and I thought that's kind of like his proper birth now as a rugby league player and and I think their coach tried to poach you afterwards didn't he <laughs> wanted to sign you and it just kind of it, it grew in every challenge you know? and, and, and I remember talking to your mum when he made his debut for battling she said what do you, how do you think he'll do and I said he'll cope here yeah. no problem you know and I believe that you know it wasn't just blind loyalty to a friend it were yeah, Alex will cope, and then every challenge that's been put in front of him, he's overcome it. Yeah. You know, through through his, his own steely determination more than anything, but and his ability as an athlete. But you've grown into being a rugby player, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah. it didn't happen at eleven years of age. And this is why I get you can't just dismiss lads as a, as coaches, yeah. junior coaches who say, "Well, he's no good. Let's get rid of him. Let's stick him up wing." You know, kind of scenario. Yeah. Lads do grow into positions, and Alex certainly did. But and every challenge just overcome it. Yeah, I mean, I remember, obviously, we've known each other for years, and um, I I were at sea at the time when you were playing um, in the grand final, and I, I, I always tried to drop you a message on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, a text, 
if they're all big coming up, just to show the spot. I'm pretty sure I was there for your first game at St. Helens as well, because I were on a ship in Birkenhead Dockyard. Um, so I came over to St. Helens to watch that. And I remember seeing like just this rise like through, you know, from Celtic to Batley to Saints, then to Grand Final. And you've overcome a lot of adversity in those times. But I remember watching you, I remember sat in the officer's mess on ship and we were in Gulf, out in Middle East, and no one gave a fuck about rugby league because they were all Southern officers, you know. All wanted to watch rugby, rugby union. I remember sitting there and like cleared out, cleared out the mess, put Super League on telly, sat there with a, you know like a can of beer and watched it. And then when you won, like I, even now, like I remember thinking like it was a bit emotional to be honest, because um, we were all, like everyone's so invested in you, you know. Even from afar, there's, there's so many people that are invested in you as a player. And then seeing that picture at the end where you, you know, you're kissing the ring and you've got your mum, you uh, on on that strap there, like it was just amazing to see, you know, like it, it is like a what a roller coaster of a story to get to that point in such it's a It's like a book, but if you read, if you wrote it as a book, people won't, might not believe it, you no. know, because you know, in, in that in that kind of physicality of a sport, it's pretty amazing, really. And obviously, you're really humble about it as well. But no, like, it's not. Well, like, <laughs> I don't know why we're doing all this because I can't stand him. I don't because she asked me to stand him. Yeah, no, I think um, no, it's yeah, it's nice and it's it's nice being able to sit now, sit down here and. Um, think back and, and talk about it because it's, it's something I'm, I'm incredibly proud of yeah. but um, but going back to what you said and you know a lot of people have been invested in me um, do you know and it, it's not an individual sport this um, and you know you, your teammates are there but it, it goes beyond that um, it goes you know beyond your you, you want to 17 it goes beyond people who coach it goes you know your family your friends and and it, it is oh, I say it's a team effort and it, and it is and you need these people and that support and that backing for you to get where you are um, and you know and it's not lost upon me that I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for everyone who's, who's been like you said invested in my life yeah. um, yourself the teammates who I've played with over the you know hundreds of people I've probably played with since I've been amateur have all invested into me in one way or another um, people like Paul people who've coached me Paul Eaton yeah. all my coaches um, invested, you know, and all these little investments, you know, come up with with where I am today, um, and it, it's not lost upon me. And family being as big as anything, uh, of course, you know, you, you, you're direct. I believe you're direct uh, portrayal of, of your parents and, and yeah. your upbringing. Um, you know, thankfully, hundred percent. You know, I, I had a great upbringing, um, and I, I saw adversity, adversity, you know, in in, in my home probably makes it easier for me to overcome adversity seeing being brought up with adversity yeah having uh, you know obviously parents who've, who've been poorly one way or another and so you know unfortunately lost my mum and things like that and all these little challenges and types of adversity and you sort of become battle worn to these kind of things yeah. and and you look not that you look forward to these sort of challenges but you know when when you do get given them you, you head on to them you know first you know head on well, that's you, it. a lot of people could just run away and hide you know when when people the whole all that sort of adversity through life like you, you take it one way or other don't you yeah you know? I, I don't think you can I, 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 and you know if you do that and some people have their own mechanisms for for dealing with these kind of issues and for me and i think that it comes down to being being sports and and being competitive that you, you you tackle these challenges head on. Yeah. You can't go around them. Um, and that's something I'm firmly believing in. <clears throat> I've always wanted to be the best. I've always wanted to be the winner. You know, and, and by no means am I the best or am I always going to be a winner? But that doesn't mean I'll, I'll stop trying to be that. So, you know, and yeah, it comes down to a competitive nature. And I think everyone's got that, um, especially if you play team sports. And 
you're not just competitive with the opposition, you're competitive with your teammates. Yeah. You know, you're in the gym, all right, well, how much is he lifting? Well, I'm going to try to lift one kilo heavier because I want to be a little bit better. And and these these everyday challenges what make up your, your ultimate challenge and, and where you become in life. And and that, that's what it's down to, you know, it's down to everyone being around me, challenging me, all the challenges what I've had, I've seen people had and look at other challenges what other, other people have overcome. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's easy to draw inspiration from those kind of dealings and, and it certainly helped me um, to where I am. Definitely. I mean, like you've had your fair share of um, ups and downs and um, obviously the, your team around you saying, like, is it we're just like a family at the time, obviously coming together, like as it was for people, you know, around Celtic coming up, like is, is it the same up through the ranks, even when you get to the, the higher level, everyone just, is like a brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I won't call it, a, I won't call it that. I, I, You've, you've all got to be on the same page yeah. um, and I won't call it false relationships because you sort of plunge together and, and you become part of the thing but once you're in once you're representing a club something yeah. you're proud of if everyone buys into that same shit then yeah you, you come together naturally and, and it's easy because you know you, you sort of sign for a club and you automatically get 25 mates because yeah. you're teammates and it's great um, but you know and what, what I do believe in is, is that you've got your mates and you've got your friends and I, I feel there's a different category there um, and your teammates are then they'll support you through thick and thin they'll support you on the field and off the field but you, know, you need to have your friends as well yeah. you need to have people you can rely on not just from a professional point of view but you need your friends and your family there who you can you can really turn to yeah. um, I'm not saying you can't turn to your teammates no, and, no. and the teammates I would classify as, as being in that category um, but it's important to have yeah, you've got your rugby life and you've got your teammates and you've got this sort of... You need to detach bond. yourself, don't you? Yeah, and you you've need... You've got that balance, haven't you? And, and, you can't, and you can't forget your your friends and where you have come from and yeah. your families because when when it all finishes and, you you know, you draw the curtain, yeah, they're the ones who are going to still be there. Yeah, so you need to make sure you don't, you know, you, you don't discount them. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm believing is you, you know where you are, you know where you come from and you, you know who's, who's been with you through those times of adversity yeah. and the good times as well because they're the people who are going to be there for the for the rest of your life definitely yeah stay humble which you are hashtag humble correct so obviously winning the Super League in 2014 and then <coughs> you went on to be nominated for Man of Steel just keeps up and up it's it's, it's absolutely crazy like what was that like you know yeah no it, it was it, it was I had a great season 2015 I think I'd sort of come onto the stage in 2013 and, you know, done, done my year at Saints and made my debut and become a a, a Super League player, yeah. so to speak. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, at the end of 2013, I could hang my hat on and say, do you know, I'm, I'm a professional rugby league player now. This is what I do. This is what, you know, this is my bread and butter now. 2014 was unbelievable, won the grand final. Um, and then 15, I think I've sort of come into my own then. I thought, I'd, you know, I, I hit a good form and, Part of that comes probably down to um, we had a change of coach. Nathan, you know, Nathan Brown was coach for 13, 14 and was you know was great. He, you know, it was, it was a great coach and obviously one us took us to a two thousand and fourteen grand final win. So you know, he couldn't speak any higher Brownie. But Kez sort of coming, Kieran Cunningham, St. Helens legend. You know, you think of your Super League heroes. Kieran Cunningham's certainly one of them. Um, he sort of become head coach and he, he invested so much confidence into me. He really did. He, um, I had lots. I had surgery at the end of two thousand and fourteen on a, on my hip, and you know I was you know we signed a few forwards in the off season. Yeah. I was thinking, am I going to get a game next year? You know we've got a new coach. 
I've just had surgery. I've missed whole pre-season. We've signed, you know, a couple of big forwards. You know, where, where's my spot? And um, one of the first things Kez sort of come to me and said was, is, you know, I'm, I'm building my pack around you. You know, it, it, this was before I'd even played a game in 2015. And I want you to lead us. I want you to do this. I want you to be our, our main front row um, forward. And having your coach come, especially someone like Kieran Cunningham, who, you know, has been a Leeds Rhinos fan, hated because he was that good, yeah. you know, but admired at the same time because of, of what he brought to the game. And having him sort of come to you as, as a, only in my third year as a professional player um, and give you that sort of confidence yeah. was uh, was massive. And, and I just took it under my wing and, you know, I wanted to lead, I wanted to become a, you know, a better player. I didn't just want to be a Super League player. I wanted to be a, a good Super League player. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had a great season off the back of that. Definitely, definitely. So obviously moving on to that, moving on after that season, we got into 2017 and you had, you had your son were born. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that famous picture of you stood in the uh, the hospital, full kit. Yeah. What happened there? What, like obviously your son was born, but. Yeah. Were you, were you playing at the time and then had to get pulled off at half time? Yeah. Oh, that was a good day. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Getting pulled off at half time is never a bad thing, is it? <laughs> Boo boom. Wish I'd have played in that team. Yeah, yeah we, we had a good masseuse then. Good masseuse, yeah. <laughs> Ian, he was called. Always the lower <laughs> Sorry, I, I interjected. Um, yeah, no, and you know, going back to what we spoke about and rugby league is what I love I love playing it it's my sport it's my job um, you know it's, I think my son being born um, you know it, it really puts you know the, the cherry on top of the cake because yeah. that's the um, those, those are the other things that matters you know your family and I think um, you know seeing my boy for the first time and you know being able to see my boy grow up and that that's that's where you, you really want to do you know, as much as a rugby league player you know, I enjoy being and I'd love to be remembered as, as someone who played rugby and was a good player. I'd much rather be remembered for being a great dad. Yeah. And that's something I'd, I'd really love to be because, and someone who, you know, thought of more than just being a rugby player, I'd rather be thought of as someone who was, who was a great dad and a good family man. And yeah. because those are the real things in life. Um, but, you know, Atticus, he, um, he come on a, on a Thursday night when I was supposed to be playing in Wakefield, well, I was playing in Wakefield. Um, you know, was coming up to the due date and um, yeah, no, it was an important game. We were sort of clinching on to playoffs at the time. We were sort of in fit, we was in fifth position and we needed to win. There was no bones about it. We needed to win this game to make the playoffs and, um, you know, it's Justin was 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 now our, our coach. He, you know, we, we had a chat before and um, put it on me. He said, you know, you're going to, because she was going to drop any day and yeah. he said, you're going to come over and I was like, oh, I've got a um, Simone. Well, Simone made me go. I was in two minds, and she said, "You know, you've got to go. You can't let the boys down." And yeah, we went over, um, and yeah, dragged off with fifteen minutes to go. I was a bit annoyed because you know I was playing well. I was having a, you know I was having a good game. I'd, um, I think we just I just set up a try for Tio in the corner, and yeah. Tio scored and put us back in the lead. And yeah, and I, I was getting ahead of steam, and I was you know I was punching holes, and um, just as I was getting right back in amongst it, you know the coach comes, you know, the um, the conditioner comes on and says, right, you're coming off. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? I was a bit fuming and they come off and I turned to Joseph, what, what are you on about? He said, no, we've had the call, someone's going to be to labour, you can have to shoot. I'm like, oh shit, oh, what are we going to do here? So, you know, you, your mind goes into overdrive and, you know, shot off into car park and didn't get time to get changed, literally scrammed my trainers, took my boots off, 
going to the car park. Someone blocked me in the car park. It took me about 10 minutes trying to get out of the car park. <laughs> I'm trying to ring the hospital. You know, it's, it, mine's going overdrive. I'm trying to get Sky Go up so I can watch the game <laughs> on the phone while I'm trying to do all this. Uh, try, while I was trying to get out of the car park. Um, yeah, no, it was hectic. Sky done me a massive favour, announced on, on TV that I'd left the field to go to the, um, go to the labour. So my phone was going mental. Everyone was texting me, trying to ring me. While you trying to watch the game? While I'm trying to ring the hospital, <laughs> while I'm trying to watch the game, while I'm trying to get on the M62. So, um, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, you know, and we got there. I'm, I'm, I just missed the birth, but uh, thankfully, you know, he came safe and sound and uh, both mum and boy were doing well. And yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been great ever since. Honestly, somebody's going to make a movie about this one day of your life. It's got to happen, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah. I hope not. It's got to happen. <laughs> Who plays Phil Mitchell? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Phil play. Mitchell can play Phil Mitchell. Ross Kemp. Yeah, Ross, Ross Kemp. Kemp is, um, what are you talking about? Paul Allen. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Me and Paul Ian, yeah. like, yeah, right, said Fred. <laughs> Don't know who play you, though. Would it, right, I'd rather go Vince Vaughan. Mm. I'd have Vince Vaughan, I think. He's mm. a big thing, isn't he? He's a, yeah. Like you, a big thing. Vince Vaughan, what, from... Who's that? He's a comedy one, isn't he? What from yeah. um, Wedding Crashers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugly one. Yeah, that's it. Um, right, that game you actually cut your knee open as well, so you had to leave the leave. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, you leave the bedside to go down to any. So I, I was getting fussed over actually because the the, uh, the midwife who um, who helped deliver Atticus was a his big Saints fan, and um, you know she wasn't even that bothered about Simone or Atticus. She was just trying to photos with me. <laughs> Concerned about my knee, uh, you know, and she went, oh, come on, I have to get you down. She pushed me down to where you knee, got me to the end of the queue, straight in, six or seven stitches, and I was back up to deliver this week then, yeah. So. The only issue was she thought it was Louis McCarthy Scarsbrook. That, that was it, yeah. yeah. Do you know, I just, that sums me up now. Simone. She tweeted out, here's me with Louis, and then deleted it. <laughs> I think it sums me up. Simone just give birth and, um, you know, gone through labour, gone through absolute hell and give birth to Atticus, and I still had to make it all about me. <laughs> so sounds about it's right. crazy that she actually like said oh yeah get yourself off to the game you know yeah being so close to the uh yeah and, and it goes back to having having people around you and, and your support your family and you know people who want you to do well so yeah. um yeah no credit to Simone and um Justin um is 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 the coach um is always reminding Simone of how grateful he is for that night because um yeah no we you know what I mean to be honest you know Simone started having contractions at five o'clock I mean the game didn't even kick off all eight right but she uh, she kept quiet oh, she did, yeah, you, no you she kept no quiet she, she thought she'd be uh, I was yeah and then um, yeah before she knew it she, knew it, she was an all fours calling me at half time so um, yeah no credit to Simone she was a trooper that night fair one fair one so the same year you finally get the call for England yeah. right yeah I did yeah I think um, I'd, I'd, I'd been in around the sort of selection process for a long time and since sort of 2014 I'd been in you know in the reckoning so to speak and I've never quite made it 2015 I wasn't I was you know I was I was nailed on for the squad and you know, unfortunately um, I picked up an injury in the last game of the season and had to have surgery and, and miss out again um, so it was tough it was always I was getting so close and never quite making it and at a point I sort of put my international ambitions to bed um, right. I just thought, do you know what? It, it probably isn't going to happen. So I put it to bed on. I always concentrate on being as best player I can be for St. Yeah. Um and hopefully, you know, do things for right for the club. 
but yeah, no, in 2017, it, you know, I, I, I wasn't even in the um, the, the elite squad with the sort of 40 man squad. What you sort of pick your 25 man squad out of? I was I was nowhere near that. So um, to be poked out, you know, picked back into that back end of the season and um, giving me opportunity to play for England and World Cup was yeah, no, it capped it capped up a great a great year. Um, obviously, my son being born. Had a great year with Saints and um, yeah, no, got finally got some sort of international recording. Was sort of, you know always been an ambition. Yeah. It really was, um, you know. And even though, I'd, like I said, I did put it to bed a little bit to finally realise those dreams. And there's no greater honour than than getting an England cap. And, and Paul, you called it. Yeah, I was just thinking then when you were talking about it about Chris Kirkland. That's right, Chris Kirkland who played at Sheffield Wednesday when he was about eleven. His dad put on something like 50 quid at some ridiculous odds that his son would play for England one day and I think I'm right in thinking he did and he got yeah. paid out and that night I said it to her earlier it shows how savvy a businessman I am that I didn't go to the bookies and say can you give me odds on Alex Warnes playing for England the fact that they wouldn't have known who the LA war would have probably precluded that I'd have, got a, I'd have got a prize but still I should have put money on but yeah called it and it, it happened and it's a fact I'm, I'm not scared to admit that but I did call it that's not me being conceited it was just an opinion yeah. that, that opinion you know, it came, uh, it happened, but uh, all through his hard work, yeah, it was a proud day. Proud day for Alex, proud day for his family and, and a proud day for all his friends, undoubtedly. It's crazy. So you, you fly out to Australia and you, you did you miss the first game because of, you got a virus? We, we put yeah, it. it was, oh, do you know what, it, again, it, it comes down to, I thought, I'm never going to play for England here. You know, I'd um, I'd been picked in the, um, the starting team for the World Cup Open against Australia. Um, straight in for the first test and you know I'd, I'd been training well I'd played well in the trial game um, you know everything was going right for me and then I got um, cellulitis in my leg um, real bad yeah no it was oh, I've never never been as ill in all my life and what, what is that? Oh, I, I still don't know now I don't know, do you know I, I tell a lie I've seen my dad have it and I've seen him you know, my dad's had it through his illness and, and it's crippled him and it really has. And, and the difference it, is, if his dad had been in that rugby shirt, his dad had have played. <laughs> and that is fact. Yeah. I'm telling you, good old John, he'd have yeah. just gone and said, he'd have had a dig. This ain't a problem. Give me my shirt, I'm out there. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, it was just as if I, I was never going to give that opportunity. As soon as, uh, every time I got close to sort of playing for England, something would happen yeah. where I got injured. And yeah, I got a virus this time and it was, um, yeah, you know, it was pretty bad, I think. I was on it intravenous for two days. Really? Yeah, morning, noon, and night for two days. I was on thirty antibiotic tablets a day just to try and get me right for this game. And um, do you know what? Not me, not me for six in the end. I think I lost about seven kilos in really? four days. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. And um, you know, unfortunately, I had to miss out again. Um, but you know, fortunately, I got my chance the week after. You know, I sort of recovered well in yeah. the end. You know, the doc over there was great. Um, yeah, no, he, he got me back, back going, and uh, thankfully I managed to make the uh, debut the week after. So, what, what did you, what did you make of actually playing it World Cup? Then, where everything you, you thought it would be, you know, when you got out there, like what, what were your thoughts like? Yes, it's, it's, do you know what? It, it was such a whirlwind. You, you don't get really a chance to, um, to take, you know, take a step back and look at it. But unbelievable experience. Tonga game. Yeah, yeah, the Tonga game, yeah. Just, you know, those those, those moments you, you never get to experience. And um, normally, and thankfully, I got, you know, these, these opportunities and 
only by playing in you know international rugby do you get given these sort of opportunities to to uh, to go off and do and going on a seven week tour with Australia with England uh, representing the country it was there's no greater honour it was you know surreal and yeah you know the, the Tonga game what, what Paul speaks about there you know playing in in New Zealand in front of 35 40,000 people and I think 200 of England fans and 39,000 were, were Tongans and insane the, the atmosphere was unbelievable going into the uh, the lion's den so yeah. to speak and um, coming off with an unbelievable victory there and, and such a an incredible game to watch um, to get through at the end yeah those moments are, you, you take with you forever because yeah. um, they come across so rare and yeah so grateful to to be able to um, been able to be a part of that Is there any moments that stand out for you Paul from the uh from what the World Cup, from the World Cup, uh, I think that is, we spoke about it, the Tonga game. It just I knew a few people that had gone on the tour, and I was getting messages from uh, that morning. I'd messaged, I think I can't remember which game I had. I'd, I think when Alex made his debut, I'd sent him a pr- pretty like long text where I'd just put "Don't reply" because it didn't need it. It didn't want to reply, and I didn't want to drain it of energy. But I was I, saying, I have replied anyway. <laughs> I you know what I mean? So I'd just and 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 it made his debut, and then that Tonga game was just. It was about twenty folk I knew were out there on tour. And a pal of mine were messaging me saying, this is mad. And it was, it started before the game. I was saying, well, what's happening? It not even been on the television. And he's saying, it's crazy. We're in the middle of this. It's like an, it's like an industrial area. And you walk through it and you said, you just look up. And there's this ground there. And he said, everything was just a sea of red. But what made it so special for them all was the Tongans are obviously very holy people, holistic, religious, nice, friendly. And he said, and they're just making them feel welcome, not intimidating yeah. at all, but intimidating race of people yeah. on a rugby league pitch. But that game, it's, it's one of the things that, it's not a regret because I don't have many regrets me, but if I could have been to a game, I think that's one of them I, I would have wanted to go. When you watched it on telly, you could without, you could taste it really, yeah. the atmosphere. And, and these pals of mine said it was just, they don't ever think they'll, they'll experience that again. And they've been to some big events, you know, yeah. Challenge Cup finals, Super League finals, but said it just paled into insignificance. But it were made by the day was made by the Tongan people. Yeah, do you know, because like Alex said, two hundred English fans there doing the best, and you know, but it's it's you know it was quite a, quite an event map to say the least. Yeah, shout out to the sports that went out there as well. You know, it's a long way to go to follow follow the team. Isn't it? And then for me, like watching rugby league all my life and watching Australians. I mean, I remember I think I was fourteen years of age when the first Aussies Cup, well, not the first Aussies, but eighteen eighty two. We call them the Invincibles came over. Wally Lewis. You know, Sterling, Brett Kenny, Mal Meninga. It's all I've ever known as a massive Great Britain slash England fan is is lost to Australia, you know, and, and, and they've had some great sides. And the, the defining thing for me in that World Cup was England would have been world champions, but for an ankle tap, simple as that, and Callum Watkins, and that's that's thin, me- you know, fine measures in a game, that sport, in yeah. you know, it's, it's you're that far away from being a world champion, but, you know, England certainly played well. That's it. I mean, you got to play in a, 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 a final at World Cup as well, you know. That's right, is it? Yeah, World yeah. Cup final, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, um, again, it's just, um, you know, you, so many moments you, you're proud of and again, that's one of them. Incredibly proud to, yeah, not only be able to say I'm an England international, but to play in a World Cup final against Australia, yeah. in Australia. Um, it doesn't get, don't get any bit bigger than that in our game. It really doesn't. And again, you know, we're an ankle tap away from winning that game. You know, we lost 6-0 and it was a... 
to to be was well off on the start, you know. To be within six points was a massive yeah. achievement, so to speak. I think barring seventeen men and a few coaching staff, no one believed we could go on and win that final. Um, and, you know, I know we didn't, but we got so close, and yeah. you know we, we got wrote off. We really did, and the Australian press and even his own press, you know, didn't want backing us. And you know, rightly so, we're going against a team who was unbeaten in three or four years. Yeah, um, the best in the world. They're playing the best league in the world. The players. Um, Everything was going their way, you know, and on home ground. Yeah. To to push them like we pushed them, incredible achievement. And but, England, you know, England were great. Sorry, England were great that day because I've seen lots of games like we all have, and and whenever if you look back through history, a lot of the times at Great, well, the few occasions at Great Britain slash England have, have beaten Australia, the Aussies have either said they've had a, they've had a bad journey, they've had an off day. You know, and, and it was because Australia didn't play well that inv- invariably Great Britain won. They never, they, nobody said that that day. Cameron Smith and people like that, they knew they'd been in a game. And they knew they were very lucky to win that day. So it, it kind of puts Great Britain, England back on a platform that, yeah, we, we're competing again and we're not we're not just going to get 20 points put past us every game. I think it's took a long while, but I, I didn't believe it five years ago, but I do believe now that England have caught up you know the strength. We ain't got the strength in depth like they have because it's their national sport. Yeah. You know, and that's always that's going to be the case for for as long as we'll know. But I think when you get a squad of 19, 20 players, we can compete. And that day, as I've said, is uh, the they didn't put them to the cleaners, but they caused Australia loads of problems. And Australia came off that and, and had a big sigh of relief because they knew that they got through a bit yeah. of skin of the teeth, really. Yeah, no, I think just to reiterate, I've I've never seen a team so relieved to hear a final whistle. Yeah. They knew, you know, I think, and Wayne Bennett at the time, and we spoke after in, in the changing rooms, and one thing he said, what's, what's always stuck with me, is that we didn't lose that game, we, we ran out of time. Yeah. Mm. You know, and if that game would have gone on for another 10 minutes, we would have won. We would, no, I'm, I'm, I've got no doubts in that, and barring an ankle tap, you know, we would have won anyway. So, and, and that's that's the pinnacle of a you know elite sport, is yeah. it comes down to those finer details, those big players, as inches where, you know, and, and, and it, and it it's wins all the It is, yeah, no, it's, it's a cliche. Al Pacino says it better yeah. than anyone else, but those inches are, are the difference between those margins and how, how small the margins need to be in these big games. And those in a man's games. life, it's all about inches. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> and that's why Demi is not to lower the tone. Is that yeah. right? No, I'm not, no comment. No comment. <laughs> It's like an interrogation room. <laughs> so following on from that then, last year, again, a bit more adversity. You go to make that tackle and end up breaking your neck. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that attempted tackle? I, now, I know we've blown smoke now, but have you ever seen a man make as bad a tackle as that in your life? I, I mean, we're in no, I'm in no Technique place. Technique I'm talking about yeah, here. I'm in no place how to it, comment. How he bent over yeah. and they got it all so wrong. Yeah, like I just like to put the boot in now and again to him like just to keep him on an even keel. Like, you could just see like <laughs> on your face, like the shock on your face. I feel concussed to be honest. That was a shock. I was, I was a bit, I was a bit concussed. In fairness, you tried to get up, which yeah. is always a good sign. Yeah, in a human. Yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, it's not not ideal breaking your neck, is it? No. Um, it's not. It's you just got it wrong. Simple. Yeah, then, yeah. It? it was one of them. You got your technique wrong, and it's, it's the nature of the beast. And it, you know that's that's the game we play. We, we all know the risks. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you know, there's always risk in what you do. Um, if there's no, you know what I mean? And you, I firmly believe you've got to be a bit daft to play rugby league. Um, and, you know, and 
because that's just just how tough a game is and the risks what are there and <coughs> unfortunately you know I, I got it wrong that night and um, you know got me head in a position I shouldn't have got it in and unfortunately you know I broke my neck and um, and yeah it's, it's been a tough journey that one um, you know we talk about adversity and that's certainly been one probably the toughest challenges I've I've, I've had to deal with um, being being told you you know you, you've broken your neck and it's it's not just the the rehab and the pain and the um, you know not playing being able to play rugby those side of things what, what's tough about that challenge it's the stigma what comes with that kind of injury and what you relate to a neck injury is, you know, you, you think the worst. And career finishing, isn't it? Yeah, it's not just career finishing. It's it's it can affect your livelihood. Oh, it can yeah. affect you, you know. And we've seen it before. We've seen it, you know, in, in rugby league. It, you know, people have, have hurt the neck, and you know, I've, unfortunately, can't be the same ever again. You know, yeah. whether that's walking or whatever, you know. Um, and you know, having your not just your your career threatened, but your your well being as as a man and. Yeah, it's, it, it was tough. It really was. And, you know, you, you sort of think the worst. And I, I remember now to the day, you know, being told the news, you know, it was, we did find out for three, you know, four or five days later, you know, we'd, we'd sort of watched it stiffen and get worse yeah. and got it scanned and, you know, it, it, it showed what was going on there. And, you know, and I, I remember now, you know, you doubt your senses, you know, you think, well, I'm going to be able to walk here. Yeah, well, yeah. What's going to go on? And I'm, it's a bit daft, really, because I've been walking for four or five days. Do you know what I mean? And am I going to go a bit, go home? I'm going to be able to pick my boy up. Am I yeah. going to be able to do these things what I take for granted again? Um, which, you know, realistically was was never in question because, you know, I'd been walking around, but you sort of linch onto those yeah. negative thoughts to begin with. And right, once I put them to bed is, well, am I, am I going to be able to play again? And um, th- there was some tough questions to be asked and, um, you know, some tough answers were dealt. Was it surgery that was needed after? Yeah, yeah, I had surgery um, the following the following week. Um, um, yeah, I've got a lot of metal work put in my neck now to strengthen it all back to to where it should be. And um, yeah, I've had to have a big surgery. And up until having the operation, you know, we weren't really too clear on how it had all pan out. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully, the surgery went as well as it could have done. And, you know, I've been on track since, you know, to come back and get back playing but yeah no, there was a lot of doubts and even though you sort of get given these positive notes and saying listen it's going to be fine now the, the surgery's gone well everything's going to be fine you know, you've got your rehab now but you know you'll get back to a stage where you can play again you, you, you doubt it anyway because yeah. you go so long between scans and you know, you, your mind it's a you know it's a wonderful thing but at the same time it's awful because there's some long days some dark days and there's sometimes you think is it ever going to get right so it, it was a tough journey. It was a tough journey. It must be a difficult thing to sort of think about again, actually playing, you know, and risking risking it again. You know, obviously having that sort of injury, it put people off. If you know, best case scenario, you can walk and you, you're fit and healthy again. But then to put yourself back out on the line, like we're we're never in any doubt if I can if I can walk and if I can get over it, I'm playing again. Or, yeah, no, I, I think I'll doubt the doubts there for the rest of my career now, right. um, and. You know, I mean, there's always going to be doubts, and I think I've, I've been. If there was, if I was at a risk of playing, I wouldn't be playing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's more important things in life than rugby league, and that's something. But you know, there's always you're always putting yourself at risk, no matter what. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I those you know certainly there was a lot of tough questions I asked myself. Um, people asked me, I asked other people, and and it was based around those decisions. Whether well, should I should I play again? Yeah. 
Um, you know, if there was considerable risk of me playing again, then the answer would have been easy. Yeah, it was probably tougher coming up with the answer I've come up with, which is to play again. Yeah, because you know all the results I've had, everything I've had, all the consultations I've had, is said, you know, it's my neck's solid now. I've got metal work in there. In theory, it's at the level where the the fracture was. It's stronger than the other levels. Yeah. So realistically, you know, I'm. I'm Although there is risk there, I'm not. I haven't got a weak neck or anything like that. But you know, it's so tough to sort of think. Well, should I put myself back out there again? And that, that was that's been. There's risk every time you've gone a rugby league field, but you've not. In, you, what you've done is you've not increased your risk of getting injured. No. If anything, you're just out there on a level playing field with them guys now. But mentally, obviously, you've had some some tough times to go through. We went to see Alex. In I think how he attacked it was good because we went to see him at the hospital straight after his operation, and. I was saying, how are you feeling? And he, and he, and how he looked at it, which I thought was the right thing to do was look. I'm I'm as a person as as he's as alluded to as a dad as a as a you know and so on. I can I can lead a normal life. So that's point one. Yeah. And then point two is we'll just face the rugby challenges as we go along. And I keep coming out with cliches and all, but what happens to you? It, it it doesn't define you, does it? It's how you react that defines you. And I think you know it's been a long process and he's gone through all of that and you're out on a rugby field now because professional people have told you you can do because yeah. you won't play would you it's, dead, no. it's that simple nobody can jeopardise the bright lights of Super League are great and, and, and playing with you you know and playing in a team sport and being and being well remunerated for it you know are great but your health and safety and there's nobody there's not a fan of English Rugby League who'd, 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 if you said I'm going to I'm going to give it away because because of my health you'd have to do but Fortunately, you're not in that position, and, and if anything, your neck may well be even stronger. You know, to be yeah. fair, it's like if you break your leg, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you break your leg, you come back from it, and it's stronger. It is, yeah. it is what it is. But it's how it defines you as, as a human being, and it's it's one of those things where you just think, there for the grace of God, in some respects, simple as that. And it because there's other people who've had more innocuous challenges, who dreadful uh, yeah. situation within. So, no, definitely. Obviously, we, we're we're now onto the going into the 2019 season. But there were, were there talks at one point about you going over to Australia to play. I heard a lot of... Yeah, no, I think, to be fair, I put, I put that to bed last year when I uh, signed my contract. Yeah. So after the World Cup, there was a lot of interest and a lot of temptation. Um, yeah. Obviously, in, in our sport, it's the elite... Um, the elite league is the NRL. Yeah. And that's in Australia. So, um, you know, and th there is ambition there. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a bigger game over there there's you know I'm not, oh, I'm not ashamed to say it. there's more money over there there's right. there's a better you know so to speak a better lifestyle um, so some people paint um, but you know there's there's all these poles there and yeah do you know I, I was close to going there was a, numerous clubs who were offering me deals where I could have gone um, but do you know what I think it just didn't didn't seem right having just you know I love my boy just being you know born and um, having a young family, I was happy at St. Helens. Yeah. I was happy where I was living. I was happy with my life. Everything was good for me. So I, I, I put a price on happiness and I think you've got to do that. I think, you know, there's, listen, there's so much money where you can't turn it down and fair enough. But, you know, if, if you are, if I'm happy where I am and then, you know, a little bit more money isn't going to go a long way. No. And why risk being happy? Why risk moving your family to the other side of the world where, you know, you, you might not enjoy 
being being there, you might not enjoy the people you're with, you might not enjoy the team, might not work out for you, you might not enjoy playing rugby there. Um, why put all that to risk for a little bit of extra money? Yeah. Um, I, and that's why I decided to stay because I, I was happy. I was happy and I didn't want to risk that. Um, do you know, I'd have been a bit younger and I've got ambitions. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to have gone out and test myself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I decided to put my family first and the happiness of my family first. You know, right enough. I mean, obviously one of the biggest names over there is Sam Burgess, which is quite amazing that, like, just from such a small town like Dewsbury, it's brought out players like you, like Sam, like the other Burgesses, like, you know, Fran, Francis. Well, you've got a connection, haven't you, with Sam and his brothers in the fact that Alex's business manager agent, whatever you want to call him, is looks after all all of them. So, oh right, okay. So yeah. there's a connection there. Chris Gersley, yeah. Mm. So, uh, you put me onto actually, didn't you, Paul? Mm. There's a life lesson there somewhere because yeah. when Alex was, I think he'd been at Saints for about a year, and said, "I'm I'm needing to negotiate a new contract." And in fairness, if somebody puts a contract in front of you, you can look at it and you can say, yeah, I think that's a good deal and that money's a good deal. You don't have to be a genius to, to know when somebody's trying to lift your leg. I don't think anyone or, or offering you a good deal. But I said to Alex, he'd met a few different people and I said, look, I said for me, in personally speaking, of no agenda, the man you want to be speaking to is, is who's, who's probably the most high-profile player in the world at the moment in rugby league would have been, well, there's two, Sonny Bill Williams and, and Burgess. I knew, I knew for a fact that Chris Caisley, um, who, was a, who was a solicitor in Leeds, a senior partner at a law firm, was ex-chairman of Bradford, was Sam's business manager slash agent. Um, and, it, and it's funny how you can actually get people's attention by um, just putting putting something out there. And, and Alex had just played his first season at Saints, hadn't you, I think? Yeah, so he was still kind of under the radar, really. Yeah. And I just said, I'll leave it with me. So I just composed this email to Chris Caisley. Chris Caisley doesn't know who I am. Probably still doesn't know who I am in some respects, you know. Probably didn't really know until he'd maybe had to Google Alex who Alex was. Yeah. But I just sent a message. And, and Chris is, we've consequently had a meeting with him, but Chris doesn't have a lot of players. He doesn't want to be have a lot of people. And he has like a nice little group of players who he, who he wants to have. So I sent an email to Chris saying, look, you don't know me from Adam. There's no agenda from me. I'm not getting any money out of this, unfortunately. <laughs> Might change in a couple of years when he, you know what I mean? But you never know. So I said, look, this pal of mine, yep. good player, good human, more importantly, a good human being, you know, he's not he's not going to be a, a moment's bother. He needs an, he needs somebody to advise him. Will you will you look at it? I'm not joking. Within two minutes, ping, came back. Paul, brilliant. Will you come and meet me? So we went over to his offices in Leeds, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Trying to look really professional, walking in, <laughs> parked his 106 car round outside, hid it round the back. Oh, no, I'd, I'd upgraded to yeah. 207. Oh, then. you got a 207, I a 207 yeah. then, yeah. So really? I said, hide yeah, that 207, we'll, we'll not park it near his offices. Yeah. So I we, well, we couldn't afford the park. Yeah. Breezes in, anyway. all these glass offices, and this woman coming up going, how are you? Mr. Caisley won't be long, would you like a cup of tea? And shown to this big glass office. And the guy, in fairness to him, in my opinion, and Alex will back this up, just absolutely brilliant, you know. Right, well, I'm not going to, I won't go into too much details, but basically wasn't there to earn any money, was there to say to Alex, I'll, I'll make sure everything's all right for you and we're not going to take this off you now because you're not earning enough, but if you earn this, I'll get this. Great to negotiate with and he's, he's looked after his, his his business affairs ever since. So Probably the yeah, best bit of business I've ever done, to be honest. Yeah. I think um, I, mean, I think it goes down to that sort of, with Chris was, as you've said, he's, he had a handful of people and, with him being a, a successful lawyer, with him being a solicitor, uh, with, him, with him being a chairman of a league, you know, he's 
it, it's prudent to, for me to say that it wouldn't be short for you, Bob. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, well, he's and very, it, he was the architect of, yeah. of Super League with Maurice Lindsay. They set Super right, League okay. up when he was a chairman of, he created Bullmania along with a guy called Peter Deakin. He was a chairman, so it was a, yeah, he, knew rugby, he knows rugby league backwards. And do you know Having someone now who, who doesn't need me, yeah, is, is I thought was key because he, he didn't need me. He didn't. If he had me or not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't affected him whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah, yeah. he's got his businesses, he's got his things at that. But I think he he was such a love. He's such a lover of rugby league. Is that you know he, he enjoys that side of it as well. And he you know, listen, I'm not saying every single agent in sport, whether that's football or rugby, is, looks after him. You know, I've got their own egos. At, yeah. First, um, you know, looking after themselves first, but I'd say a vast majority of them do. Um, I really do because at the end of the day, that's that's where they make the living. So yeah. they're going to make sure they're getting the best deals for themselves as well as the players, yeah. but maybe a little bit more so for themselves. Um, you know, but w with Chris, I firmly believe he's always had my interests at heart, and you know, and um, you know, he, all the deals he's done and have been to me, I've been to better me rather yeah, than yeah. himself. Which, and my my approach to it was. With him having Sam Burgess was, and in any negotiation, information is power, isn't it? I know that's a cliche, but it's true. If you know what the yardstick is, and I was saying to Alex, look, Sam Burgess will have negotiated probably one of the best contracts in rugby league. So Chris is privy to that. Yeah. So Chris knows that's the marker. So everybody's coming down from there, but at least he knows where the marker is. So you're bringing down, and when somebody's saying, oh, we can't give you X per year, and you're thinking, well, you can yeah, you know, and that's the difference because nobody's going to show their hand and say, "Well, yeah, let's just give." Unless you're Peter Isdale, you know, you're not just going to say, "Well, I'll give you thirty-five grand a week." You know, straight away you negotiate, don't you? But the good thing with Chris is that he knows the yardsticks, he knows the parameters, and as Alex has said, is is listen. It's not for me to talk about Chris Casey's life, but I'm sure that getting another grand a year out of Alex Wormsley ain't going to alter Chris Kaisley's life. And yeah. I think that's, he's always had his best interests at heart and, and, and done done a good deal. And I think when you're a player, you want somebody who's who's looking after your affairs and knowing that they're doing things right. And uh, I think that's took a lot of pressure off you as, and just allowed you to play, hasn't it? Oh, definitely, yeah. So, yeah, you can give me that 20 quid later for doing Is it Nando's? I'm, I'm sure I bought you an Nando's. That's quite an interesting no, He actually did take me. Oh, you an He just did take me to St. Helens. I went over to one day. And I, well, it did it, it, I went over because he needed me to go over because he'd, he'd done his leg and I was driving him round and you know, we're looking at an house, that was it. I'm going to buy this house. All right, you come and have a look at it with me. <laughs> yeah, I'll come and have a look at it. I can't drive, can you drive me round? Yeah, I'll drive you round. So he goes round, spends all day with him, took a day of work and then he says, I'll take you to your I says, oh, brilliant. Took me to his little pub in back of night. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. Steak and kidney pie, chips, peas. You don't work, Paul. You don't take a day off work. He must have spent at least 15 quid on me that day. Yeah. So there you go. That's quite an interesting side of sports to talk about, though, because not, obviously not many people would, would. But what I'm getting to is when people say, and you'll meet people in life who will say, "You can't do that." I've never been like that, mate. I just think, why not? You know, because I can only say no. Yeah. But he ended up with probably the foremost agent in this country by just sending an email. Yeah. Because he could have not replied, but he did. And I've had emails from Chris since. We don't converse a lot, but. I got an email from him a while ago when Alex made his debut for for, for England. I messaged Chris and he responded and he's saying, and if you've got any more, i.e. players, let me know. <laughs> you know, because he's, he's been, it's been good for both of us. Yeah, I mean, it's been yeah. good for Chris and it's been good for Alex. And it's it's not, it's rare in this day and age where kind of like you have a manage, you know, meeting the minds and, and he, he's happy with a deal, I'm sure. And, and you certainly are. That's quite interesting what you said about, about that. Because obviously from a business standpoint, 
I'm still trying to make this work. So like yeah. I, I left the Navy and tried to start Get Your Media and it's succeeding yeah. so far. But like yeah. some of the biggest contracts that we've signed, it were from literally walking through the doors. Yeah. There's some massive companies yeah. and saying, do you, want, do you want to go ahead with this? And yeah. the, they can either say yes or no. Yeah. And it turns out they said, yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, fucking hell. Yeah. And We're most here. times people will respect somebody for doing that. They'll go, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, let's, well, let's have a chat with him because he's got the balls to come in here and do that. And yeah, it's amazing. It's same for starting this, this podcast, you know, like, it was something I've always been interested in. I was interested in obviously creating videos and doing the vlog and next thing we're, let's try to do a podcast. You know, I want to speak to influential people because you, you just learn from, like you said, businessmen, sports personalities, you know. Everybody's got a backstory. Everybody's man. got a story, you know. It, don't matter, yeah. it could be anybody on the street. There's many stories and like just mm. being able to have, have that conversation because this is another thing that's sort of like missing in world a bit today is like the art of conversations dying out. Um, I spoke about it on one of the previous podcasts, but you know, people can't just sit down and have a conversation anymore. You know, like phones are a big distraction and social media is a massive distraction. So this, to be able to like put somebody in a room, fix some headphones. It's just being normal again, isn't it? Yeah. It's just all about being normal. It's like being in a tap room in 1985. Seriously. Yeah. When lads used to sit there and I mean, best place I've ever been in my life is a pub called Black Bull in Batley. That tap room was a font of information. You learn everything in there. All different characters, funny, you learn how to be a man. You learn how to keep your mouth shut. You learn how to speak. Yeah. It was a pecking order, but everybody had an opinion on everything, and it was it was great, you know. And, that, and I think that's is lost slightly. Yeah. In uh, we sound like old men now, but it, it has been lost because people are, and and I'm probably as guilty of it. Yeah. Checking if if somebody's insulted me on Twitter, which we always do or whatever, and, you know, it's it is what it is. But things like this are good, you know. That's yeah, it. I mean, like, a conversation. That, but we've not probably spoke properly since I think last time I spoke to you were at um, Foley's um, Barla fundraiser a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. down at Celtic, and yeah. since then it's just been a couple of messages back and forth, yeah. just basically saying good luck with whatever yeah. you're yeah. going up against. Yeah, do you know what? I just got back to it. It's, it's nice to catch up on it, and yeah. and you know what I mean. Even if you don't know someone, in a way, it's it's to go in and let's have a chat, and I think. It is lost upon the world nowadays. Is, is speaking to people and getting to know someone. Um, it doesn't happen often, so it's been um, you know, it's, it's been a good opportunity. This it's yeah. been not just to catch up with you and off then, but to um, to waffle on about stuff what people might be interested in listening about. So to sort of like wrap it up, then we're, we're obviously in the twenty nineteen season. You played last night. How did it go? Yeah, no, it was um, it was the first friendly. It was a as first well my first game back for ten months. So. Um, do you know what? It was great in the sense of I got through. Um, yeah. You know, being back out there, you know, I was, I was speaking to Paul before. I was, I was, I was shitting myself, to be honest. Um, I really was nervous. You, know, you, you can be told, you, you know, you're good to go as by anyone as much as you want, but until you're out there again and, and putting yourself back in the five and nine, so to speak, it was, um, yeah, no, I was, I was nervous right up until kickoff. Yeah. Uh, thankfully then, instinct and adrenaline just took over and you know I got through the game and I went alright as well which I'm happy about but yeah no it was it was a nice it was a nice feeling to be sat in the change rooms after the game sort of you know like a weight's been lifted yeah massively like, yeah. yeah and just being able to sit down in, in the change rooms and sort of look around and say right well that's another hurdle I've got past now so do you know and, and everything I got back to it but all your challenges in life it's always it's not it's never one big challenge it's, it's hundreds of little challenges yeah. what make up the big challenge and that another one was one of the challenges to get back on the road and thankfully overcome that and yeah I'm one step closer to where I want to be so um, yeah no it was a great feeling that last night was probably the biggest rugby league challenge you've, you've, you've had really 
I would have thought, to come back from that kind of injury. And like Alex has said, is to actually, I said to him, what you like when you ripped in, you know, first collision and, yeah, I was shitting myself and this, but you get through it and then it, then it becomes like riding a bike, isn't it? You yeah. just get back into it. But it's that initial, it's it's enormous that. Because a normally pre-season game, whilst important, it's to blow a few cobwebs off, get some systems in. But other lads will be rocking up yesterday to play a game and, you know, do the best for Johnny with his testimonial. But for Alex, just to think, right, this this is it. This is quite mm-hmm. a it's quite a career-defining moment because if that spark's not there or it isn't there, and you don't know till you put your boot, well, you get out there, but yeah, you got through it, didn't you? So yeah, yeah. Just happy to be honest. Yeah, really happy. I think it is. It doesn't sound great, you know. And it's the most exciting thing to say, but just just happy it went well. Yeah. Um, just just really pleased. Did you get a nice response from the uh, the fans then? Yeah. Was, no. It, do you know what? And not just to say Ellen's fans, but I think the fans are in in rugby league as well, yeah. and not just rugby league fans, but people who who might know me or know know the story of last year. Then um, it. I think one thing what's great about our sport is that it's it's a very family oriented sport and we talk about the rugby league family but it's certainly not that you know it's you look after your own and you know the, the response I've got off the fans from all clubs has been great and you know very much so my own fans as well but um, yeah and something what's been nice and you know other players from other teams you know wishing me well and the teammates being there um, you know thankfully it's, it is like that and it's not a sport where you want people to fail in. You know, yeah. it's a shame really in the day and age we live in that so many people don't like to see people doing well. Um, you know, thankfully, in my situation this year and, and the sport in general, was, they really want them to get back on the field yeah. and back playing again. So, um, yeah, no, it was a great response, not just from, from my fans, so to speak, yeah. or our club fans, uh, but fans of the sport in general. And, and you got the win as well. So Yeah. The win was irrelevant. It was a trial game, really. Yeah. But it's still, it's always nice to have a yeah. W next to the is, Yeah. Well, I, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both in. I really, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, if the people that are listening are wanting to find you, Paul, where can people find you on the social media? If they want oh, to they're probably a bit nice. <laughs> <That's> not finding <laughs> me. You don't have a Twitter. That, <laughs> they'll form an opinion yeah. of me pretty quickly for reading my Facebook <laughs> page. But they're probably wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Allen, but uh, if you want to Google me, Google me. Uh, poor Paul Allen, in, the other one in Jewsbury, he'll probably get all the grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll be the one who gets all the grief, hopefully. not me. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and I like the sound of my own voice, as you can guess, but I do like a, I do like a status, put it that way. Anyway, enough said about that, the better. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Well, I'll say I'm on Facebook, Facebook private, but uh, Twitter, Instagram, if you want to follow me there, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Just search for me. Um, I'm sure I'll come up. But um, yeah, no, just thanks for having us on, Josh. It's been... Uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been great. I think talking about things and, and um, you know, going into details, it's nice and it? it's, um, yeah, good to bring back the art of conversations. Yeah, no, thank you. And I'm proud of you, mate. Thank you. you it's yeah, you it's all good. It's it's great what you've got here. You've got a nice setup, and you're having a go and you'll do well, you will. Because your personality will come through and you're all doing well. So Thank well you, done. I appreciate it. It's been a bit of a whirlwind. Mutual backslapping operation, this, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. well done. All, all the best with it, Matt. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right, well done.